You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. We're in deep into Philippians, deep into Philippians. Deep is the mandate, the word for this year. Deep stands for discipleship, engagement, evangelism, and prayer. This is what we want to go into. We believe God is going to unlock something in us. Amen? So today we're deep into Philippians. I know you're already there. You already had a bookmark there because you've been studying it. Chapter 2 is where we're going to be launching off today. But I want to remind you, this is a letter to the church of Philippi. Paul is in jail. He's in prison, whether he's in home arrest, house arrest, or he's in jail. He's writing to the church from Rome. And a common theme that is all throughout the book of Philippians is joy and rejoicing. Paul is so enamored with this church. Many, many of the books, he kind of digs into them a little bit. Stop doing this. Don't do this anymore. Quit this. But in this particular book, he's, he's like rejoicing and exhorting them. And kind of like a proud father, like, thank you for blessing me. And because of your blessing, I want to bless you. And so today, you're going to hear these words, joy and rejoicing throughout. But Philippians 2, let's dig in. Let's get in our airport seat, right? We're getting our airline seat. Everybody in their seat? Anybody wipe down their seat with Lysol wipes? Even before the pandemic, I used to wipe it down because nobody knows what's going on in there. Uh, Put your tray table back. We're getting ready to launch off here. (laughs) I don't know where this is going. This feels like 1130 to me. I'm already in 1130 mood. Those of you that don't come 1130, it's a little special, a little feisty. My wife shows up. She starts back talking. It's beautiful. It's unbelievable. She starts saying, that's not true. No, anyway, Philippians 2. Let's read the word, not what I'm saying, in Jesus' name. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection or sympathy, complete my joy. By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and in one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to its own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is in yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Today, I want to talk to you about be like Christ. Be like Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that it's still powerful today, that what Paul wrote to the church of Philippi still applies to the church of Middle Tennessee. Lord, may we have the ears to hear and the spirit to receive the words. And God, I just lift up our friends in the Ukraine. We pray peace over them right now. We pray peace, the hand of peace 
over Russia, over all the surrounding regions. We thank you that you are still in control. We just sang for 30 minutes about your glory and that you are still in control. We believe it. We prophesy it. And we speak forth signs and wonders, miracle revival, and even salvation in the droves from what the enemy tried to do. God, you turn it around for good. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, man. Let me ask you this. Any dramatic people here today? Raise your hand. Embrace your dramatic nature. Very good. Some of you putting your hands up right there. Come on, the rest of you. Some of you thinking about it. I see people nudging someone else. I see it. Barry, you didn't nudge your wife, did you? Barry, don't you do that. Dramatic people, raise your hand right now. We're thankful for people like you. That's why we have Hollywood. We like watching you on Hallmark movies and things like that. (laughs) There is a level of acting that is another level. It's called method acting. Some of you know what I'm talking about, where people get immersed in their in their drama. Now, let me just say, from from I'm not necessarily dramatic. Now, if my wife was here, she'd say I would. Uh, In our family, we have a word called severe. Right? We call each other severe. Um, I wouldn't call myself dramatic. I would just say I get very passionate. Um, So with that said, I have a lot of little passionate people walking around my house. Last night, I I cooked dinner for them. You would think that would be thanks enough, right? But they were complaining about the the spiciness of the potato, Jake. My wife's taking off the skin. Kids are complaining. Like, this is dramatic. What's, What's wrong with these people? Disrespectful. Where was I? Method acting. There are people like Heath Ledger, Joaquin Phoenix, Johnny Depp. Talk about these people immerse themselves in the character. I'm not sure Johnny Depp has ever stopped being the pirate. I I just imagine him walking around like kind of aloof. That wasn't really a hard part for him to play. Leonardo DiCaprio, everybody loves him, right? He gets in the character. Forrest Whitaker, Natalie Portman. These are people that immerse themselves in their part. And I know this, that the reason why they're so successful in Hollywood's eyes is because they study who they're going to become. They immerse themselves in it. So if they're going to play a police officer, they, they do ride-alongs. If, if they're going to be a firefighter, they go on a firefighting call. If they're going to be a mom, they, they hang around with moms. Like, they know what they have to do to learn the part. The best way to be like someone is to know that someone. So, Mike, I want to bring you up here. I, I need to use you, please, if you would. I know you came here. Sorry. I'm going to ask you a question here, okay? I want you to think of someone that you, you really look up to. Think of someone that you looked up to, and I want you to tell me who that person is. Off the top of your head. Don't think too deep. All right. I'm not brown-nosing, but him. Well, that was not what I was hoping I, you would okay. say. Okay, I got another. Rick Padgett. Rick Padgett, okay. All right, Rick Padgett. Now, here, here's my question. Name one quality that you love about Rick Padgett. He's a good teacher. He's a good teacher. What's good? What's he, makes, a, he makes me think of things in a different way than I normally would. What do you like about me while we're on the subject? Okay, I'm just kidding. Now, I, I have another question. Talk more about me. Um, I want you now, with the same passion, to describe Dan Pritz. Tell me what you like about Dan Pritz. Dan Pritz? Do I know Dan Pritz. Do I know him? Uh, do you know him? Dan Pritz? Dan Pritz. Pritz. No, I, no. You don't know anything about Dan Pritz. Sorry. Dan Pritz was one of my best friends growing up. Oh, okay. 
So you don't know anything about Dan Pritz. Could it be possibly that because you don't have a relationship with Dan Pritz, you don't know the traits that Dan Pritz can... Is that could be? Because you know Rick Padgett on camera three, you now can describe his nature because you're in relationship with him. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for coming. Mike, you did a great job. Here's what I want to say to you today. Knowing someone requires a personal relationship. When I said Dan Pritz, you didn't even know his last name because you don't know him. But if I, Dan Pritz, immediately I think about my childhood. I think about how he shot somebody with a BB gun. How we used to play with this millennial falcon. How we used to do these things together. We built a sarlacc pit. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, in the backyard. He had a dog that was chained to a house in the back that never came inside. And I thought, why does that dog not to come inside? But this dog gets to come inside. It always blew my mind. I'm, 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 I'm having an issue right here. I need to release that. What I'm trying to say is, is you can't be somebody you're not in relationship with. And I will say this, you can't live off of someone else's relationship with Jesus. You can't come to church and live off of my encounter with Jesus. Now, I can be your pastor. I can share what God is showing me. I can get you excited. I can challenge you. But when you go home today, you won't have Pastor Mark preaching you up in this kitchen and I won't be making no spicy potatoes for you guys because everybody complain about them. You can't live off of someone else's relationship with Jesus. You can't see someone else's encounter and expect that that encounter is going to affect you. You can't keep coming to church or being a Christian without personally knowing Jesus. Now, I want you to understand that today as we're launching off on this ride, we're going to land someone. But first, I have to talk to you, and i got to set the tone. In Philippians 2, Paul has three sections here in verses 1 through 11. His first section is verses 1 through 4. He is exhorting the church. Paul outlines his exhortation. He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, of one mind, being of the same love. Driving the same Honda Accord. Just checking to see if you're paying attention. Nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. In humility, counting others more significant than you. Not your own interest, but the interests of others. This sounds daunting. It almost sounds like, how can we do this, Paul? Paul, you're expecting me to do this? But he transitions with verse 5. This is what he says. Have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus. What is the attitude? The attitude is going to help you walk in one accord. What is the attitude? It's verse six through eight. For though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. I underlined the word form. I want to teach you a little bit here. Can we do that today? The word form is actually two words in Greek. Two words that show up in the New Testament. One is morphe and the other one is schema. Morphe means 
the essential nature of something. The schema, or that's where we get the word schematic or scheme, is the appearance of. So the morphe form never changes. The schema can change a lot. Let me give you an example. The morphe of me is that I'm a man. Now, I know our nation doesn't say this, but that does not change. <laughs> I'm a man, and I'm always going to be a man. But the schema can change. Let me explain to you. I can be a fetus. I was at one point. I was an infant. Then I became a child. Then I was a teenager. Then I was a young adult. Help me, Jesus. And now I'm an adult. So I'm still a man, but the nature, the form can change. Why am I saying that? Is that God is still God, but his schema can change. For example, God appeared as light. He appeared as a cloud. He appeared as fire. He was a burning bush. He appeared as a dove descending upon his son. He appeared as tongues of fire, and he appeared as Jesus. There was still God, but he was in different forms. He's still God, but he's in different forms. His outward schema could be altered. His inward morphe could never change. Why am I saying that? Because I want you to understand Jesus was fully man, and he's fully God. You have to get this. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying he was in form, he was God, but in form, he was man. Now, it's important to understand this because if he was not God, then everything he did as a man was meaningless. But if he did not come as a man, he could not die for our sins. There, this was something miraculous. It's almost too good for our mind to understand the magnitude. But verse 7 says this. This still messed with me. I've been reading this all week. It said he emptied himself. It says, although in the form of God, he did not hold tightly to that equality. He had an equality with God, yet he emptied himself of that. He literally, voluntarily decided to forego all of his powers and rights to be human. I, 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 we have to get this. We have to get this in this flight pattern because we're going to land somewhere and you need to understand that the basics of who Jesus is is he was fully God, fully man, and this was never to ever have happened before and it will never happen again. Jesus gave up his glory. John 17, look at this. He's talking to his father. Jesus is talking. He's praying. He said, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had, past tense, with you before the world existed. I gave up my glory. Jesus gave. Listen, how do we know that he had a glory? Because there is a story where he goes to the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John are with him. And his glory begins to be unrevealed just in a little bit. And Peter, James, and John fall over like dead men. They don't know. The glory of God is so miraculous. Jesus literally allowed his glory to be un under cover of an earth suit, a physical skin body. He let his glory be gone so that he can walk on earth. He literally humbled himself that he would have to eat. He would have to sleep. And he would have to breathe the very air that he created. Gave up his glory. He also gave up his authority. John 5, 10 says, So Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. 
For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. You believe that? He was equal with God, but now he's submitting himself under God. He's coming under his authority. Hebrews 5.8 says, although he was a son, this, look at this. He learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus had to learn how to be obedient through his suffering. Talk about giving up your authority. He gave up his position. Philippians 2.7, Paul says this, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Do you know that the way that Jesus died is indicative of a slave and a criminal? He, and, and, and make no mistake about it, he allowed himself to be crucified to a cross. He gave up his position. He was seated in heavenly places, stepped down into time, put himself into our air, into our earth, walked on a dusty road, had to eat, had to dream, sleep, had to eat, drink, and do all the things we do, and gave up his position in heavenly places so that he can come and empty himself and be born in the likeness of man. And he gave up his own life. Philippians 2.8, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Jesus is on the cross. Do you know that Jesus told his spirit, it's time to give yourself up. I give myself up. Why am I saying this? Because sometimes we forget the magnitude that Jesus went to save you and me. Paul is trying to tell the people of, of, of Philippi, I want you to understand that he did this on his own accord. And I don't even know how to really help us to understand this in a crude way. The only way I can do it is by putting up a stick figure on the TVs. It would be like you and me becoming a stick figure. That's the only way I can compare it. Like literally your three-dimensional body, all the hair and the personality to literally make yourself a stick figure. To humble yourself, that's the equivalent in my way of explaining to you that Jesus took himself and forgo all his power, all his deity, to come down and humble himself as a servant walking on the very created earth that he created and submit himself to a Roman empire to be crucified for you and me. To allow his body to be put into a tomb and to sit there in death for three days. When, when, when he had the power to do whatever he wanted to do, he humbled himself. It's hard to really put that into words, what that really means, but I'll say this. The word that keeps coming to mind, and I've said it many times, is the word humility. It's humility. And Paul is trying to say to the people of Philippi, I want you to complete my joy. How do I complete your joy, Paul? How can I do it? He says, well, listen, I want you to do this by being one mind. And in love, by being in full accord, no selfish ambition, no conceit, walking in humility, value others' interests. Do you know that we can't do this if we're trying to be like Christ? How do I know? Because the church still hasn't got it right. We got divisions. We got factions. We got denominations. We don't know how to get along with one another. We're trying to be like Christ. Might I say to you, the problem is, is the word in the middle, be like we were never intended to be like Christ. In fact, Paul gives the way, the example, and the answer in verse 5 in his transition. He says this, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in. You were never intended to be like Christ. You were always intended to be in Christ. 
You can't be like Christ. You can only be in Christ. What's the difference? Oh, it's a big difference. Can I explain this to you? Let me explain this to you because this, this, this message really works well in the buckle of the Bible belt. When everybody's like Christ, everybody goes to church, everybody's like a Christian. I can do like things like Christians do. But being like a Christ is like playing a part in a movie. It's like being a method actor. I study the things of God and I try to be like that person. But the reality is every great actor goes home and takes off that part and becomes who he really is. For many of us, we go to church and act like a Christian, but when we go home, we become who we really are. Paul is saying, church, you have to be in Christ. I try to become like Christ to fit a role and a part that I need to play. I strive with my own power. Some of you are so exhausted trying to be like a Christian. Ooh, you go home at night, go, I'm exhausted trying to be a Christian. There, there, there's a pendulum that swings constantly when we're trying to be like Christ. And there's two ends to it, two extremes. The one extreme is pride. Ooh, I'm doing my best. I'm like Christ. That's what the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were over here on the pride spectrum. But the other pendulum swings this way, and that's shame. I'll never be good enough. I'll never be like Christ. I failed again. I continue. So you're going to go back and forth. Maybe at 9 a.m., you feel good. You feel good being like Christ. But by 9 p.m., you feel shame because you messed up. And this world, this is Christianity. It's like we're trying to be like something. And one day we're doing good. The next day we're not. And then we change this and we become in Christ. Now I'm no longer playing a part. I am the role. Because the one who is Christ is inside of me. He lives in me and I live in him. Now I'm working from his identity. I'm not working to try to be like him. I'm not trying to study him. I'm actually in him. He's in me. I now have the power because he resides in me. You see the difference? It's a big difference. It may be only two different words, but they're two drastically different words. Now the pendulum swings. You want to know what the words are? Humility and belonging. I humble myself because I know apart from him, I can do nothing. But I also know that I belong. So even when I I feel down and out. I'm still a son. I'm still a daughter. I'm still part of the kingdom. See, when I'm in Christ, I never have to try to perform. I am in the part because the part is in me. There's no method actors in the kingdom. You don't get paid to act like a Christian. Nobody's going to give you an Emmy or a Grammy or anything like that. Here's an award because you did a good job. Here's your Grammy because you worshiped well. It doesn't work like that. The, the one that gets the glory is the most humble. It's the one that is able to say, I come under. I am in Christ and he is in me. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Pause for a moment. Do you know that this whole debate on racism and fighting one another, it was never meant to happen. This is ridiculous to the Lord. He looks down and he's thinking, why can't you get along? You're all children of mine. So as a church, we should step into that and say, no, 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 no. This church should be diverse, should have all different color skin, all different ages, all different backgrounds, all different ethnicities. This is the way heaven is going to look like. And if we don't get this right, we're not walking in the humility. We're not walking in the calling of Christ. We don't regard one another according to the flesh. Even though we once regard Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is like Christ... He's a new creation. 
But that's how you, many of us interpret it. If I can be like Christ, I can beat my sin. It's a different word. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. You can't be like Christ and be a new creation, but you can be in Christ and be a new creation. So how do we do this? Well, let me give you an example. Anybody remember high school? Some of you are like, yeah, I went there yesterday, Friday. I was there, man. Anybody remember it? Seriously, do you remember high school? Anybody? Now, be honest, because, like, the Lord's here. This is his house. Were you the cool kid in high school? Raise your hand if you were the cool kid. No. Okay, that's 1130 service. That's where the cool kids. There was, like, no hands raised up in this place. What's up with you people? You guys are cool to me, man. I think you're cool. Well, I was cool. Okay, let, let's let the record be known. Now, I did go to Christian school, and there's about 20 people in my class. But I was cool, man. I ran that 20-kid school. <laughs> Everybody wants to be like the cool kids. That's, that's the goal, right? You, whoever's cool, you won't be like him. But there's a difference between being like the cool kid and being in the cool crowd. Now, you understand that, right? Let me, let me take it even a little step further. The difference is, is going from trying and being to emulating and emitting. I'm trying to be cool. I am cool. Now, let me take it another, another, another step. The in, in crowd creates the crowd that wants to be like them duplicate. Now, I'll even take it another way. Somebody at some point said, if you wear a suit jacket, you're fancy. Now, I don't know how long this has been in, 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 in practice, but whenever we wear a jacket, are you going to a funeral? You going to church? What, what are you doing? Not at this church, by the way. Are you going to a wedding? Why are you all dressed up? Because we were told that a suit, but somebody somewhere had to make that up. Yeah. Somebody put it together and said, now when I get dressed up, dress, what's dressed up? Oh, you got to wear a suit yeah. and a tie. See, some of you are getting where I'm going. What I'm saying is, is when you're in something, you're creating when you're like something, you're duplicating. And the reality is, is many of us, we're duplicating what we see at church, and that's why it's not sticking at home. But when you're in Christ, what you do here is what you do at home. <sighs> you're the one starting the trends because you're the one creating, not duplicating. How do we do this, Pastor Mark? I'm so glad you asked because I got plenty of time to land this plane. We're literally getting, what's that, when the wheels come down? Put your, train, put your tray tables up. We're getting ready, guys. We're going to land this plane. And how do we do that? Paul says it here, coming back. He starts off from the very beginning. He says this, unity and humility are not an option. In verses 1 through 4, he talks about this. He emphasizes this. He says, you must have the same mind. You must have be of one accord. You must walk together. Listen, I want you to know this, that it was never meant for the church to be divided over Scripture. 
The enemy has separated us. We have black churches and white churches and old churches and young churches and loud churches and soft churches and, and, and Chris Tomlin music churches and hymn churches and Israel Houghton churches and other churches. And we do this and we pick churches and we go to churches and we check off lists. Well, they meet this list and they have this and they don't have this, but they have this and they don't have this. And Paul's saying it was never meant to be. You were all supposed to be of one accord in same mind. That doesn't mean that you want to hang with everybody but you learn to love one another. How? Because you walk in humility. Paul says you cannot be in Christ if you're not humble. You can't be in Christ if you're not unified. That's why church, newsflash, Southview, there's an anointing on this place because from the very beginning, Norcios, you know this, our mandate has been to unify the body of Christ. That's why you'll see other pastors up here preaching from this pulpit, from other churches. Why? Because we believe that the body is better together than separated. We are not in competition. Now, that can't just be me and a couple pastors. That needs to be all of us. We need to start realizing that the enemy wants to separate and divide the body of Christ. And there's a reason, because he realizes if we really come together, if we do what Paul is saying, we will have more power than he can possibly battle against. So here's the deal. We can't do that if we want to be like Christ because it's in your own flesh. You'll get burned out. You'll get fired up. You'll get upset because Debbie, Karen, Susan, whatever the names are. It's always a woman. I don't know. I'm sorry. And Brad, whoever those people are, you'll be so upset that they hurt you because you're walking in your flesh. You're trying to be like a Christian. But when you're in Christ, you come and you humbly serve the one who hurt you last week. How do we do this? I'm, again, here we go. We're landing, coming down. There's the, there's the runway. We can't regard other people according to their flesh. We can't look at each other. We can't demonstrate this in a fleshly way. It's a spiritual way. How do we live in Christ? We follow Jesus' example. He gave up his glory. We just talked about that. So what do we do when we're in Christ? We give up our glory. The word glory actually is the Greek word honor and dignity. If you want to be in Christ, you have to be the least dignified and the least honored person in the room. Uh, see, that's where no amens come. I know, I know, I know. Because you're like, man, I don't get enough dignity at home. I don't get enough honor. I don't get, you, good, then you're like Christ. You want to be in Christ? You should forego the honor and the dignity. If nobody knows what I've done, it's okay. I'm in Christ. How do we be in Christ? He gave up his authority. So what do we do? We must yield authority to our heavenly father. Not my will be done, but your will be done. That's not what Jesus, that's not just for Jesus to say. You know what that means? God, I don't want to pick and choose who my spouse is. You tell me who it is. I don't want to pick and choose my career. You tell me what I'm supposed to do. I don't want to pick and choose what I'm supposed to do. I want you to tell me. I want you to speak to me. Not my will, Heavenly Father, but your will be done. Oh, I only do what I see my Father in heaven doing. That's how you're in Christ. Now that's dangerous, right? Because you don't know what he's going to say. But that's being in Christ. Jesus gave up his position. He gave up his authority. So what does that mean? We have to become a servant. We have to serve one another. Man, I'm telling you, division is from the gates of hell. 
racism from the gates of hell. Do you know that when I look around and I see a diverse group of people of generations, this is what it's supposed to be like. It's not supposed to be a young church or an old church or a middle-aged church. It should be everybody. He's faithful through generations. We just sang that. Become a servant. As pastors, we should, my, my job is to serve you. I'm serving you the word that God put in my lap. I'm in Christ. So I don't have to perform for you. I just want you to know, I feel zero. Well, I feel stressed to deliver it right, because I want to do him right. But I'm not here to gain your approval. Like, I want you to understand, I'm going to say things that hurt you because I'm in Christ. And it's not to hurt you on purpose. I'm just because the word comes like a two-edged sword. It cuts through the bone and marrow. So there's things inside of you today where you're feeling like this weight of trying to perform. And I'm going after the performance today. I'm saying, be a servant. Well, yeah, but you don't know what I have to offer. Pastor Mark, you don't know what I did at my last church. You don't know what my education, I don't care, serve. But Jesus did. So if you're in Christ, you're going to serve. And the last thing, Jesus gave up his own life. So what do we have to do? Learn the art and the joy of dying. Anger gets up. Ooh, I got to kill that. Not because I want to be like Christ, but because I'm in Christ and anger has no place in me. Paul is not looking for a church full of actors playing a part. In fact, if you study the letters, the letters where he laid in on people was because they were trying to play a part. Don't do it. Do yourself a favor. Remove the stress. Don't try to be a Christian. Be in Christ. Don't try to perform. Let him who perform in you, let who, him who began a good work in you be faithful to complete it. Let him work in this. Let him work in this. Let him take out the weeds. Let him get you cleaned up. Don't try to strive. Just let him have his way. Come on now. This is a better way. This is a better way. I sound like the bounty hunter. This is a better way. So maybe I mistitled this message. Actually, I did. It's not be like Christ. It's actually be in Christ. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. So today, this is what I want to pray over you today. That you will not strive. I want to break off performance today. Because you know how much better this church would be if you didn't have to perform? If you didn't have to come in here with your Bible that you never read? If you didn't have to put your arm around your wife who you never like? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm speaking the truth right now. I'm not making a joke. That was not a joke. That's the reality. Some of you people can't stand who you're married to. But you think you're faking it. Jesus is like, not interested in your worship. Get your marriage right. <sighs> if we got to do this, this isn't a job description as a pastor. It's a job description as a Christ follower. I love you too much, Southview, that I would let you just barely get through. Some of you striving so hard to get to church because you're like, man, I, I don't feel worthy. You're not. Some of you so trying so hard to get his love. Man, it's, he's in you. Man, I just, whoo.
I wish the church of Nashville would stop striving. Trying to be like something. Just with every eye closed, I, I, want, I want you to hear me. I want your spirit to pay attention right now. If Paul was here today, stop striving in chapter 2 verses 1 through 11 there's one word <laughs> it's a little word two letters change everything in verse 9 it says which is yours in Christ Jesus so today may the performance go God, kill in me anything that needs to die. Selfish ambition, conceit. My pride, my, my desires, my, my anger, my, my addictions, my bitterness. My, 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 what I want, me trying to be like you, but, I, but I'm, I'm refusing to let go of who I am. God, I say today, I want to be in Christ, and I am a new creation. I declare that over you today, right now, that your mind would be renewed. Come on, no more striving. No, we're trying to be something you can never be on your own. You were never created to be Jesus, but you're created to be in him. And so today, I remove the striving. I remove the weight that so easily besets you. And today, may you be in Christ, a new creation. All things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Thank you so much for listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the Son sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.